What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Bart Wheeler. And as we've been doing for the last month plus, we are doing another position preview episode tonight. It's Thursday, February 29th, uh, for those scoring at home. And we are jumping into the pitchers. We have covered all of the offensive positions at this point. Uh, except I guess we haven't talked about utility only, Bart, but <laughs> maybe maybe we'll throw that in at the end. But it's pitcher night. Uh, we the, the journey begins. Yeah, maybe we can throw in some utility guys when we release our overall rankings or something. Uh, gosh, we've I'm, I was just looking back to see, like, when did we do catcher? It feels like a lifetime ago. It was January 30th, and here we are on Leap Day the 29th and so it's almost march and it was january when we started this andrew <laughs> yeah wow and we're gonna have to wait four years before we get another chance to do a podcast on leap day so let's enjoy oh, this one <laughs> let's do it i'll yeah. give you real quick my utility rankings shohei otani teardrop <laughs> junior camonero teardrop byron buxton teardrop mic drop <laughs> <laughs> huge yeah shohei otani gigantic teardrop and yeah you got it. There we go. I, I, there we go. We've done utility. Check it off the list. <laughs> um, but we have posted our outfielder rankings up at rosrankings.com along with all of the infield positions. So uh, you can go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't listened to them yet to hear all the analysis. But if you just want to get a quick uh, summation of where Bart and I are, are uh, ranking each of these players at these positions, then go to rosrankings.com. Click the articles, and it's right there for you. But there is a lot to get to with pitchers. Uh, we were talking off-air before we started recording. I've got notes currently for 100 pitcher, starting pitchers. Um, Bart's got them for <laughs> 80, So, and he's got more homework to do. <laughs> I might yep. even add a few more myself. Um, there's a lot of pitchers. We thought outfield was a slog. This is going to be an even bigger one, so why don't we jump right into it, Bart? And uh, let's let's start with the, uh, the the lay of the land here. Uh, starting pitcher, what is what are your takeaways on uh, where where the uh, talent drop offs are? I know you've said in previous shows you're not likely taking starting pitchers early in drafts. Is that still your thinking? It is still my thinking. And when we get into the tiers, uh, my first tier, those guys I will probably take in round two, not round one. I've already like I, I've already kind of started on my overall and. There's just so many good hitters, you know. Like you said, you mentioned all the the position episodes we've already done. There's just so many guys, so many five category guys too, especially that I just want to take in round one. So I'm probably waiting till round two on a pitcher, and then if I don't get one of those three in round two, I don't know, man. Like I think I'm gonna wait a while because I've got like some pretty big tiers after that. I've got a couple really big tiers, and as I started doing my rankings, it's really hard to differentiate. And I think some of it, too, is because last year there were so many pitchers that failed, whether it was injury or whatever. You know, the Justin Verlanders and, you know, DeGrom was an obvious one. And Scherzer, there were some old guys who maybe we should have seen it coming. But there were other guys who just kind of flopped. And a lot of it was injury, like I said. But I don't know. I just I, It makes me want to wait at pitcher because, like, as you said, you know, we, we both have, like, about 100 guys we've already kind of researched. And I like a lot of these guys who are even deep. So it's just it's so deep that I kind of like some of these guys down in the 50s, 60s, 70s. And when I look at last year, a lot of the guys I'm ranking in my top 20 or 30 were those guys ranked 50, 60, 70 last year. So that just makes me kind of want to wait on pitcher. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, you know, what we were talking about with the outfield, I think sort of applies to pitcher in the sense that you can go really deep into the rankings and, and find players with upside 
find players with high floors, uh, find guys that are good in certain categories and not others and all that. But the big difference is that with the outfield, you've got like 10 guys who are studs. And mm-hmm. I don't think you have that at starting pitcher anymore. Uh, you know, it's been the, the you kind of hinted at this, but just putting these rankings together, uh, it made me it really put it in perspective perspective for me just how much turmoil there has been at starting pitcher over the last couple seasons and yeah. how for a variety of different reasons, uh, all of the guys that were studs, uh, the vast majority of those guys are are gone or hurts. Uh, you know, we've had um, Brandon Woodruff out for the season, Sandy Alcantara out for the season, yep. uh, Shane McClanahan, Tony Gonsolin, Robbie Ray is going to miss half the season at least, Scherzer, mm-hmm. DeGrom you mentioned, Kershaw, Kyle Bradish, who you know had yeah. a, a breakout season last year, is now looking very iffy. Uh, I Julio think Urias may never pitch in, in Major League Baseball again. Trevor Bauer, same thing. Um, yeah. You know, Dylan Cease fell apart. Alec Manoa fell apart. Uh, Alcantara fell apart even before he got hurt. Carlos yeah. Rodon. So it, basically, if you go back just even two years <laughs> and you look at the top starting pitchers, this, these are the guys. It's Justin Verlander, who you mentioned. Like we, you know, he kind of fell off a bit last year, and and now yeah. there's some questions about his his arm too, like his health. Uh, he's 41 years old, so of course there are. <laughs> um, yeah. Sandy Alcantara, Julio Urias, Christian Javier, another guy who kind of really fell off big time last season. Alec Manoa collapsed. Shane McClanahan hurt. Zach Gallen, who will be a guy we talk about on today's show, but not at the very top, most likely. Gonsolin, mm-hmm. uh, Hugh Darvish, another guy who's kind of questionable with his health situation. Dylan Cease, another guy who fell apart. Uh, and then Framber Valdez, who's just not really an ace, you know, <laughs> like he's a good pitcher, yeah. but not really an ace. So I sort of feel like it, it's like there's a lot of like trying to put a round peg in a square hole or whatever the saying is there, because <laughs> some of these guys like once you get off after the top, like three guys, really, I think you're you're talking yeah. about pitchers that in a normal year would have probably been like a SP2. And now we're trying to treat them like aces and and people are talking about taking them in the second or third round of a fantasy draft and I just don't like those those players we we kind of know what they are and they're good but they're not that good yeah I mean I think we it's it's interesting we don't really we haven't really talked about starting pitcher like at all until tonight but it sounds like we we kind of agree on some of this you know and and we'll see as we get into our rankings but like you know we, we can get into the tier like talk about the top three but when we get to the next guys like I just you mentioned like a guy like Zach Allen I'm just not gonna take him ahead of like I don't know, Francisco Lindor or Michael Harris or even Jose Altuve. Like the, he's going ahead of these guys based on ADP right now. So I'm just not doing that. That's just a, there's a random one that I looked up when I just glanced at ADP overall on fantasy pros, but it, the list goes on and on. We'll probably, we can probably do that throughout the show. Like there's just other guys who I'm going to take, but then when I get to the middle to late rounds, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll take this pitcher, you know, because I like them and I've already got like all these really good hitters. So that's just kind of how I, I'm approaching drafts. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And and Gallon, honestly, like I, I feel like there's kind of a drop off after him too. So like some of the guys after him are even dicier bets uh sure. to, to take. So I'm even less likely to take that next group of starting pitchers <laughs> uh, who who are, are much more uncertain. But let's get into it. Um, you know, we've alluded already to the top three a few times and we'll we'll see if we have the same three. I'm guessing we probably do, but um I actually I have Spencer Strider in a tier of his own. I didn't actually put all three of them in the same tier. Um, 
Okay. I just, I, to me, he's he's categorically different. The other two for me, and they might be for you as well, are, are Corbin Burns and Garrett Cole. Um, yep. And uh, like those guys are really good, and I feel like they're innings eaters. Um, they have they have a really high floor and a pretty high ceiling, but their ceiling doesn't really compare to Spencer Strider's ceiling. So that's kind of why he's he's in his own category for me. I mean, he actually had a, a K per nine rate last year that was two batters struck out per inning more than anybody else, uh, <laughs> which is insane. Um, so like he's basically. I don't know. He's he's kind of like the modern day Degrom. I feel like because you don't know uh, uh, if he's going to be able to hold up. You don't know about the the um, the durability. I guess that's the question with Spencer Strider. But like uh, he certainly doesn't have that injury history yet um, to be worrying about. But it's just we haven't seen him. Uh, last year was the first time he pitched. Uh, you know, 186 innings. He he went from 131 and two thirds to 186 and two thirds. Uh, we've mm-hmm. never seen him do that two years in a row, of course. So that's the question with him. But, I mean, the win potential is top-notch. He won uh, 20 games last season. The strikeouts are so far ahead of everyone else. Uh, ERA was actually a little bit high last year, but I feel like that's going to come down some at least. So he can actually be even better than he was last year. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there, you know, it is reflected, I guess, in ADP that there is a little bit of a gap between him and uh, Colin Burns, but not a not a huge one. And I just I do feel like he belongs in in a separate tier. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think that's totally fair. You're right. There is a little bit of a gap as far as ADP. I just kind of threw them all in there because, like I said at the top, I think I would take them all in round two. I would take Strider at the top of round two, and I would take the other guys toward the end of round two. And you mentioned the, the strikeout rate, which is awesome. I mean, it's like it's like a closer's strikeout rate, except he's doing it as a starter. It's insane. Uh, and you you talked about how it was so much above the next guy I mean the ne- the next guy is not Garrett Cole or Corbin Burns you know it's it's guys like Hunter Green and like these Dylan Cease types you know Cole and Burns actually are coming off career low strikeout rates so kind of inter- it's kind of ironic you know like Cole won the Cy Young and he had like his worst K rate but he's these guys are just so consistent like you said the innings eaters plus you know Burns is like a super low ERA whip guy uh, he's moving ballparks to Baltimore which is more of a pitcher's park now which is great so there's a lot to like about Cole and Burns, but I could see what you did putting Strider in his own category because, and unlike DeGrom, I mean, you're right. Like he could have that injury type, you know, like maybe he's over exerting himself or whatever, but like we should give him the benefit of the doubt because DeGrom kept getting hurt. Like Strider hasn't, that hasn't happened yet. We're just kind of speculating there. So mm-hmm. until it happens, like you have to rank Strider number one because he is, he's a freak. Yeah. Although the one thing I will say is, um, and again, even though I put Strider in a tier of his own, if I was in a 15-team league or in, uh, uh, well, AL or NL only doesn't really apply to, the, to what I'm about to say, but uh, if I was in a really deep league, I might consider taking Garrett Cole. Uh, I guess if you wanted to take, uh, or Corbin Burns, I mean, they're both they're both American League and Strider's National, so it doesn't apply to the AL only, NL only leagues. But in those deep 15-team leagues, like, I could see taking one of those guys over Strider if you just want the bankable innings um, and knowing. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, I, I probably in that format, I would take Cole first. I actually have Burns ranked slightly ahead of Cole. Um, but in, in that format, I'd probably take Cole because he's just like an Iron Man. I mean, he's he's thrown 200 innings uh, seven times or six times in his career, um, including each of the last two seasons. Um, so, like, you just know that you can kind of mark it down with him that you're going to get that workload 
Um, so if, if safety is your priority, I could see um, leaning towards coal. But uh, again, like my rankings are geared towards those 10 and 12 team mixed leagues where there's decent mm-hmm. replacement value on the waiver wire. So I like to aim for upside in those formats. And I think Strider clearly has more upside um, than Cole. Now, Burns and Cole is, is a close one. Um, and a lot of it is just projecting what will happen with Cole, with uh, Burns moving uh, from Milwaukee to Baltimore. He's getting a major upgrade in terms of his home ballpark. He's getting a major upgrade in terms of his supporting cast. Uh, he's heading yep. into a walk year. So I don't know what that means, but I feel like maybe they're not going to, you know, baby him too much and let him stay in the game to get wins. Um, so like I, that's been an issue with Burns. I mean, that's basically been the only thing holding him back. I mean, he wasn't quite as good last year as the pr- two previous years, but like he still led the national league in whip last year. Um, he's put up elite ratios um, three years in a row, four years in a row, actually. Um, and uh, if he if he can add some more wins to the tally there and and maybe even get the, the ratios back to where they were in 2021, 2022 with that movement to, to Camden Yards, then um, I'm just going to give him that slight edge over Cole, uh, who, you know, is still very good, but I don't expect that 263 ERA he had last year. That was kind of um, a little lower than what I would expect um, pitching in, in Yankee Stadium. I think back uh, around low threes probably is more likely. Yeah, I would agree. And and with Burns and both, really Cole too, but I think both of them can get the strikeouts back up. I mean, Burns especially, like we've seen his strikeout rate, Caper 9, up near 13, uh, you know, 2019 through 2021. And then it has dipped the last couple of years. Not really sure what's going on there, but like I don't see it going down to eight or something crazy. Like if anything, I see it going back up. So yeah, I, I like I like everything about Burns, and you know you know I'm an Orioles fan, of course. We've talked about that a bunch. So if if it, if it was toward the end of the second round and Cole and Burns are are both there, like I have Cole ranked higher, but I, I need to get into a draft because I might just take Burns. You know, go with my heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I will point out in the second half of the season, uh, Burns had a 10.22 K per nine. So uh, mm-hmm. the drop in strikeouts was really just the first half of the season. Um, now, I know like we have to take the whole season into account, but uh, I think when you combine that with the point you were making about his career numbers, uh, we basically saw last the second half of last season, Burns looked like he did uh, the previous couple seasons. So he got off to a little bit of a slow start, uh, but then he pretty much was his usual self. Well, spoiler alert, as we go through these rankings and our notes, I mean, there's going to be a lot of looking at first half, second half. There's going to be some small samples. As we get into, like, the really deep guys in the next show, it's going to be like, well, this guy in four starts last year did this, (laughs) you know? So, we'll see. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Um, Any other thoughts on the big three you want to talk about? I mean, like I said with Strider, I do think he's going to have that ERA come down more. So, that's going to add even more value for him. Um, Any other thoughts on Cole? No, I mean, all three of these guys, like I said, I think you you made a good point about like deeper leagues and everything like it's it's format dependent. We didn't really get into like points leagues and things like that. Like, but yeah, we do we do roto 10 to 12, uh, 10 to 12 teams. Uh, I'd be fine taking any of these guys in the second round strider at the top of the round and the other two guys toward the end. And then, you know, if they fall to the third round, sure, any of them, but like it just you never know how your draft is going to go. And so I'm just not going to take any of these guys in the first round, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I would either. Um, and and then you know with the second round, it it really I don't know. It sort of depends what's there. You know, I mean we've sure. talked about some of these other positions where there's a big drop off um, after the first four or five guys at a given position, and 
do you really want to miss out on those guys? Or, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard call, I guess. Um, uh, in, in that second round ADP. I mean, who are the, who are the guys that are going, like, I feel like, I feel like Burns's ADP is pretty solid. Cause that's towards the back end of the, of the second round. But uh, with Strider and Cole, um, you do have to take them ahead of, you know, guys like uh, Jose Ramirez Matt or Matt Olson. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Turner. Bryce Harper, you know, that's really tough. proven performers. Uh, so it's a, it's a tough call there. Yep. All right. Well, um, do you want to talk like, you want to go ahead and talk about your next tier? I have, I have like number four through ten, and and I, I had a hard time cutting it off because I almost made like four through twenty to be honest. Like this is this was really tough for me. So what what does your next tier look like? How many guys do you have? And maybe we just start getting into some names. Okay, yeah, I only have four guys in my next tier. Um, okay, because I feel like they're they're the only four other starters that I feel like have a a pretty high ceiling and a solid floor. Because I think after that you start to kind of have to choose. Like after that, after that next four, I, I have groups of guys split between high upside guys who are a little bit riskier, and then high floor guys that maybe don't have that ceiling. So okay, um, so the four I feel like kind of merge the two things. And again, they don't do it to the same extent as Burns and Cole, or they'd be in that tier. But I think they're kind of like poor man's versions of that. Uh, <laughs> Are Luis Castillo, Zach Wheeler, Kevin Gossman, and and Zach Allen, who we talked about. So okay, um, those are the four for me that that make that cutoff. Um, are those four all in your next tier? They're all in my next tier. Uh, I have Wheeler, Gaussman, Castillo as four, five, six. So I'm with you there. And then I have Gallon a couple spots later, and I've got some other guys to talk about. But we can we can talk about the four that you mentioned because they're all in this tier for me, and and we're not far off. So okay. we can start with Wheeler, you know, and just go from there. Yeah, so so Wheeler, I feel like, is a good example of a pitcher who we would not be treating like a fantasy ace in past seasons, and like he has he has gotten better, so that's part of it. Um, but I also feel like it's a lot of that that absence we were talking about about players that just aren't there anymore, like the Max Scherzer types who would clearly mm-hmm. be ranked ahead of Zach Wheeler if they were healthy, you know, um, and if they were younger. Um, so like, he's a really good pitcher. I mean, he, he's had, uh, he's been helpful basically every single year in terms of ERA. Um, he's been helpful in terms of whip, um, every single year, um, at least three years in a row, he's been really elite in whip. Um, his strikeout rate is not amazing, but it's good. Um, Mm -hmm. he's pretty durable. I mean, he's thrown over 190 innings, um, three of the last four years, if you exclude the, the shortened COVID year in 2020. Um, so very durable. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't, he's never won 15 games in a season. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure why that would necessarily change. I mean, his situation hasn't really changed. Um, so, you know, he'll be fine there, but not, not spectacular. I mean, wins are a fickle stat anyway. Um, so like, he's just like, to me, he's really solid across the board and like his ERA last year, was up a bit, but you look at the expected numbers. I mean, his expected ERA was 321, so 40 points lower than his 361 ERA. Um, you know, I expect I – mean, he's got such great control, too. I mean, he, there's really no – I can't really find any major faults in Zach Wheeler except that he's just not elite in any category. He's <laughs> just very good everywhere. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the, the strikeout rate, like you mentioned, it's been it's been really good for him the last three seasons. Like, he's been very consistent – 
pretty much his whole time in Philly, but definitely like the last three years, especially getting that strikeout rate up. And you mentioned like wins being fickle. I mean, you're right. Like there's no reason he couldn't get 15 wins. You know, he goes, like you said, he throws a ton of innings. He goes deep in the game. So like he gives you a chance, which is good. You know, he's like guys like Framber Valdez and Logan Webb, like Zach Wheeler does that too. You know, he throws five to six innings and gives you a chance to record that win. I just, I had a hard time. Like he's, he's the top of this tier for me too. But I have his teammate at the bottom of this tier for me. I have Aaron Nola at ten, and I know we'll mm. we'll get to Nola. I, I just I don't see a ton of difference between the two when I'm looking at the numbers. I know that like Nola has had some higher ERAs, um, but like when you look at his his expected numbers, like Nola's have been much much lower. Uh, his strikeout rate has been much higher. Um, I don't know. There, we we can. I know that you. I don't know if you're ready to kind of compare the two. We don't have to, but like I just yeah no. I had, let's do it. I had Wheeler at the top of the tier, Nola at the bottom, just because, like, I see them both as, like, inning eaters, reliable. I mean, look at Nola. Like, he's thrown over 200 innings three times in his career. He's been, the last few seasons, 193, 205, 180, skipped the COVID year, 202, 212. So, like, Nola is out there. Uh, he He's had a 117-win season, but his numbers look a lot like Wheeler's. So, I'm not really sure the big difference, and that's why I kind of put him in the same tier, albeit at opposite ends of the tier. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm not there on Nola. Um, I, you know, I feel like I understand the point, and, and like I I've talked many times on this show that like I I don't want to be the person that uh, just drafts off last year's stats. You know, like mm-hmm. we we shouldn't do that <laughs> because uh, I was just reading you know who the top pitchers were in 2022 and how that worked out the following year, right? Not so well. Um, yeah. And I was down on like Sandy Alcantara, for example, coming into last season uh, for that very reason, and it, it ended up being the right call. But um, the thing about Nola is he's been around a long time, so it's kind of like I don't put as much weight into the expected stats with him um, as I would with some other guys, just because it's like he doesn't his stats don't always match his expected stats, and that's just kind of the reality. You know what I mean? Like. His his ERA was has been higher than his expected ERA by a substantial margin um, in each of the last three seasons and yeah pretty much every year yeah even the <laughs> even in twenty twenty two when he had a really good ERA three twenty five his expected ERA was two seventy four you know so it's mm-hmm. like um, it, it's it's not that predictive for me really um, I just what gives me pause is the fact that he's he's had two really bad ERAs in the last three seasons. Um, so like that starts to say, okay, is there something that the expected stats are not picking up? You know, mm-hmm. like that is there something going on here that's causing this to happen? I mean, and really what it is is it's home runs. I mean, he's he gave up one point four nine home runs per nine last year, one point three oh in twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty two it was zero point eight three and and lo and behold, his ERA is much lower, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh because he's always gonna I mean, his strike error rate was down a little bit last year too, but like He's he's a solid strikeout guy. He's got pretty good control. Um, he, like you said, very durable. Um, it's just uh, you know he also had another year back in 2019 with a 3.87 ERA too. Um, he had a if you want to go way back 4.78 ERA back in in 2016. So like you know he's had a lot of years with higher ERAs. His career ERA is 3.72. So. You know, I, I just think that there might be something beyond the expected stats that just says, like, he's just going to kind of be a higher ERA guy. Um, 
which is okay, but it, it just doesn't, it takes him out of that ace territory for me. Okay. So just curious before we move on to uh, like Castillo or Gossman, uh, where do you have Nola? I have Nola at uh, 22nd. So Wow. Okay. Pretty yeah. big difference for me. Yeah. I mean, but again, to me, it's not a huge difference. I, I actually just have him grouped in a, in a group with guys who I, I feel like I just don't quite know what to do with <laughs> you know so like okay. i don't know you could you could make a case for him to be higher i i wouldn't like i wouldn't object to him being taken in the top 10 at starting pitcher i just wouldn't be drafting him there like i you know i, I kind of feel like there are guys that probably what what, what is Noel's adp by the way uh that's a good question he's um, the 12th pitcher off the board going inside the top 50 picks like i just don't think you're you're really not getting much of a discount at all for a guy who no. had an ERA that was at 4.46 last year. You know, I mean, like, it seems like people are just kind of buying right back in with him. So I'm, I'm yeah. probably not going to have a lot of Aaron Nola this year just for that reason. I, um, I, if there was a discount, I still believe in the player. I think he's like he's he's not going to be terrible. You know, um, I just think a, another year with an ERA over four is definitely possible for him. Okay, uh, was Castillo the next the, the next the next guy you mentioned? Do you have Castillo at four? Or I have, five? Yeah, I have. I actually have Castillo ahead of Wheeler. I've got Castillo at four, and then Wheeler at five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have Castillo at six, so I'm I'm right up there with you, pretty much. Um, I mean, he's he's just looked like a much better pitcher. You know, getting out of Cincinnati, come over to Seattle. He's kept his walks down, uh, basically improving his ratios along the way and getting his strikeouts back up. So I think the ballpark has probably had a lot to do with it. You know, he he's had some good run support and. I don't know, like his recent track record has honestly had me ranking him higher than I expected. Like, I think I was texting you when I was putting these together and I probably had Castillo like around 10 or so. And I just kind of kept moving him over guys and moving guys up and down. And Castillo, I just kept looking at the consistency. And if I'm, if I just look at his numbers in Seattle, which I kind of, I kind of am, <laughs> I just, I love Luis Castillo. So that's, that's kind of what it's about for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, the, the, the only, kind of problem that he had was that hitter friendly home ballpark and it was reflected in his BABIP against I mean his BABIP against in 2020 and 2021 was well over 300 since he's been with Seattle it's been more like 265 to 275 range you know yeah. so like that's a substantial difference um and uh yeah I mean I I just think that also, the other thing is his walk rate has has crept down as well, yep. and I think that's been a huge boon uh, to his his uh, value. And then let's also not forget he had a three forty ERA in twenty nineteen, and that was a hitter's year. I mean, offense was really up across the board that year. So True. a three forty ERA pitching in Cincinnati in twenty nineteen is awfully impressive. Three twenty one ERA in the COVID shortened twenty twenty season. So he actually had some low ERA seasons even in Cincinnati uh really the the 398 in 2021 to me is the outlier I mean you have to go back to 2018 to find the last year he uh had an ERA over 340 other than that so like he's a he seems pretty locked in as like a sub 350 ERA guy uh 10 strikeout per nine guy uh like you said good ballpark um the whips have been good too the last couple seasons since he got to Seattle because of that lower BABIP you know 110 mm -hmm. whip so yeah, I mean, to me, he and Wheeler are right there as, as four and five because I just think they're both locked in as being really above average, uh, you know, good pitchers in every category, just not maybe elite anywhere. Okay. 
Well, Kevin Gaussman, uh, we've talked about him quite a bit on you know in previous years. You know, former Baltimore Oriole. When he was with the Bowie Bay Sox, I actually mm-hmm. sat next to him when he was with the. Uh, I was I was at a Flying Squirrels game here in Richmond, Double A affiliate of the Giants, and Gaussman was with the with Bowie and sitting behind home plate with the radar gun. And I didn't even know who he was at the time. This is a long time ago, you know, probably like 2011 or 2012 or something. Um, but yeah, I'm a little bitter because when he was with Baltimore, he just never really panned out. Never really got the elite strikeout rate. And then he went to San Francisco, of course, and just they turn him into the ace that he is and could be. And uh, yeah, in Toronto, he's been really good. Uh, talk about consistency as far as going deep into games, throwing a lot of innings. You know, you can just pencil him in for 30 starts. And the K rate, like I was talking about, has been double digits for five years straight. And he even jumped up last year, you know, went from a top 20 in K per nine in 2022 to sixth last year amongst starting pitchers. Um, so that's pretty good. Uh, and his BABIP could improve. You were talking about BABIP. He has a super high BABIP. So, I mean, there's even maybe a little bit of room for that to positively uh, regress or regress in the, in the way we want it to. So um, I think there's a lot to like about Kevin Gaussman, um, his whip is a bit high for these elite pitchers, but that's probably the only kind of negative. Um, but there's there's a little bit of a negative with all these guys, which is kind of what we are alluding to. Like, these guys are aces, but they they might have a little bit of a flaw. Yeah, exactly. They're just not as good as, like, the aces that we were looking at in previous seasons. I mean, you used to be able to find pitchers that, like, there used to be, like, five to seven starting pitchers that were having, like, sub three ERA and sub one whip, or at least that was like something they could realistically do. And I I don't think, I mean, outside of those top three guys, I don't think any of these other guys have, have that in their range of outcomes, you know? Um, So, yeah, I mean, I liked Kevin Galsman before it was cool, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) cause there was a while where he had, he had changed up his approach and he, he was, uh, his strikeout rate had really, um, skyrocketed, but like, uh, like in 2019, he had a 5.72 ERA, but he had a 10 strikeout per nine, and I was kind of in on him then. I was like, he's he's found something. Like mm-hmm. things are trending in the right direction for him. It's only a matter of time, and it's just gotten better and better since then. So, uh, yeah, I love Kevin Gausman, but you're right. I mean, the WHIP is the thing. I mean, like the last two seasons, 118 and 124 WHIP. I mean, he did have a 104 in 2021, but that was kind of well below it. his career whip is 126 you know so like mm, yeah uh it will be better than that because he's a better pitcher than he was during those baltimore days you referenced but um but it's not going to be elite you know so that's just you you get more strikeouts with him probably than you do with wheeler and castillo um but you get a higher whip and uh yeah he's kind of like in some ways, the inverse of Nola, who maybe has a good whip but higher ERA. I feel like maybe with Gaussman, you get lower ERA but higher whip. Um, but that's that's okay. Like he's still going to be really good. I just again, there's there's one flaw that kind of keeps him from being that ace. If he had a if he had a like ER, if he had a whip around one, like he'd be up there with Burns and uh, and uh, Cole. Yeah, and I mean, maybe if you if you draft him, then maybe just keep your eye. And we'll talk about some different guys. Maybe you keep an eye on like a Max Freed a little bit later or even much later. There's other guys who are good ratio guys who don't really strike guys out, right? And and maybe you just pepper in some of those guys like in the mid to late rounds um, if, you, if you do end up uh, drafting Kevin Gaussman early. Yeah, and the other thing is like he's just – he's okay in whip. He's not like yeah. horrible. You know, it's not like drafting – 
a, a hitter who's going to bat like 210 or something. You know, it's like, sure. I mean, this like these whips are fine. Um, you know, I think he'll probably have like a whip around 115. It's totally solid. Uh, it will probably actually be right around what Aaron Nola's will be. Um, but uh, it's just not going to be 105. <laughs> you're you're making my case for Aaron Nola, man. You just keep doing it. <laughs> no, man. Aaron Nola four four fifty ERA with the one fifteen whip. Kevin Gossman three twenty yeah. ERA. <laughs> That's true. Pretty big That's difference. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into Zach Gallon. Uh, you know, I like him a lot. Uh, he's one of he's as of right now one of my six keepers in our our keeper league uh, that I'm doing this this year with you and your and your buddies there. Um, yeah, Zach Gallon's been been really good with the Diamondbacks last couple seasons. He's just he's become a workhorse, and I was I was worried about him. I think I can't remember if it was coming into last year or the year before, but he had like an arm issue, and I was just like off Zach Gallon, and he just yeah he's been really good. He obviously pitched into the postseason, so he's he's coming off a year where he threw a ton of ton of innings, um, but he's been really reliable. And you know I love my Diamondbacks; they're one of the better teams in the National League. Obviously went to the World Series. Uh, I'd love for his strikeout rate to kind of get back into the double digits. That would kind of bump him up even more. I have him at nine. So where do you have Zach Gallon? Do you have him at six or seven? I have him at seven. Yeah. So we're we're pretty much in line with Gallon. I just I don't know. He it doesn't have to he doesn't have to get his strikeouts way back up in order for him to be like a top twelve fantasy pitcher because you know he he could win fifteen games. He's he has good ratios and um yeah I don't know what what's not to like about Zach Gallon. I don't think I mean I don't think there's anything not to like about him. That's why I have him. That's why I feel like he's the for me he's the last pitcher that I can feel safe drafting like, and know that I'm getting a really good across the board contributor Um, after him. I feel like you start having to sacrifice certain things like just finding pitchers that are going to be not good in one category or are going to uh, be risky in some way or just not have quite as high, uh, as high a ceiling um, as he has. So like, yeah, I mean, I basically feel like, yeah, his K's are down, but we just mentioned seller Coles and Burns's, you know. So, yep, I don't think I would overrate that. I mean, he's still striking out more than a batter an inning, and he has every single season in his career. Um, you know, he's kind of like the flip side of what I was talking about with Nola. Like his, he always um, overperforms compared to his expected stats. So, like, I'm not that, I'm not that worried about the fact that his expected ERA was 4.18 last year because. Uh, He's 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 exceeded his expected ERA by like half a run to a run every year except for 2021 in his career. So like that's just <laughs> there's something there again. Statcast is helpful for a lot of players, but it's not the be all and end all, you know. And I feel like when guys have this extended track record, you can kind of say, okay, this is just who this guy is, you know, yep. and like not freak out about it. So like. I don't expect any major regression from Zach Gallon. I feel like we we know who he is at this point. Like I'm not penciling in 10k per nine from him. I think just nine and a half is fine. <laughs> you know what he just what he did last year was very similar to what he did the previous year. I mean, um, in terms of k k rate and walk rate. Um, so yeah, I mean his BABIP was actually high last year. It was the highest of his career, 301. So like you could make the argument the other way that he he was due for positive regression. Um but yeah, it's just you know, being on the Diamondbacks, win potential should be there. Uh I'm not that worried about the innings total. I mean, um you know, there's there's risk with all pitchers. You can always yeah, convince yourself to get scared of anybody. Um I'd be more worried about a pitcher that um 
you know, was going from like 120 innings to like 180 or 190 than I am about a pitcher who uh, threw 184 in 2022. And then last year, just because of the playoffs, ended up going up to 240. I just, I'm, I'm just not that worried about that. Okay, cool. Well, let me give you a couple guys who I also have in my top 10. So a couple of guys who I have in this tier ahead of Zach Gallen, and you can kind of tell me where you have them. One of them is right here, pretty much in line with ADP, and it's Pablo Lopez. Uh, I think I kind of fell in love with him, honestly, listening to uh, Nick Pollock from Pitcher List interview Pablo Lopez. I watched the interview that they did, and they walked through like uh, every at-bat from, like I think, maybe the first time through uh, the Angels order in a, in a game last year, and it was just like very insightful uh, hearing Pablo Lopez kind of talk about the pitches, and it was just really cool. I think maybe I've fallen in love a little bit with Pablo um, but I wasn't ranking him as a top 50 pitcher last year. And now here I am. He's in my top 10. But like a lot of the reason, uh, you know, he was he moved to Minnesota last year. He had the, so, the shoulder uh, injuries before. So he threw 180 innings in 2022. But it was like, okay, can he do it again? Because he, he had never thrown more than 110 or so before that. So there were some injury concerns. But now that he's done it a couple years in a row and increased his strikeout rate to 10.86 K per nine, you know, career best. You're paying for it now, and we'll have to see if he can do it again. But he's always had good control, and I'm, I'm kind of buying into Pablo Lopez. I know you haven't really liked him a ton in the past, so I'm curious where you have him. Yeah, I'm out on Pablo Lopez, definitely, compared to everybody else. I'll, I'll <laughs> take a stand on this one again. Uh, I actually have him ranked one spot ahead of Aaron Nola, so that would put him at 21 uh, for me. Okay. Yeah, so, <laughs> so he's like – I have him in that same category of like I don't know what to do with this guy because I – I just don't really understand why the the fantasy community is so in love with Pablo Lopez. I, I it doesn't make sense to me. Like, yeah, okay, he did an interview. It's like <laughs> we don't want to draft guys based on being good interviewees, right? Um, and <laughs> I understand like his expected ERA last year was three point oh, which was the best in all of all pitchers. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, but his ERA was three sixty six, which it's pretty much what he usually does. I mean, like that it was 375 in 2022, um, 361 in 2020. Uh, so like, you know, 307 in, in 2021. So that was like the, the, the best year, but then that year, the expected year, it was 352. So like you can, you know, it's like the opposite of this last season. Um, so yeah, I mean, yes, he's going to give you strikeouts. Uh, if you look at his whip, I mean, it's always been like right around 115 yep. or something, which is fine, but it's not amazing, you know? Um, and if you look at like where he actually ranked among starting pitchers last year, you you know, you were just talking about like that huge uptick in strikeouts and how you hope he can do it again. You're not sure. I mean, he kind of needs to do that again to to come even close to justifying being a top 10 starting pitcher. I mean, last year he was 25th in fantasy in 5 by 5 league fantasy value among starting pitchers. 25th. Yeah, I would agree. Like <laughs> you if know, he, like, if he drops I mean, it's down. Just, yeah, if his K rate goes back down, it's like what are you left with? Uh he he I agree. He needs to do like 10K per 9 again, at least like he did last year. I would agree. But even if he does even if he does what he did last year, he's only the 25th most valuable starting pitcher. He has to narrow the gap from 25 inside the top 10. I mean, people are ranking him like 6th, you know? Like I mean, that's a lot of projecting him like where is where are these gains coming from? I mean, the projection systems all have his ERA looking very similar to last season. Um they actually do have his Ks coming down about a a, a batter per inning. Uh they have his whip right around what it was last season like 
Um, is he going to win more games with Minnesota than he did last season with Minnesota? Like, where where is the growth coming from? Yeah, he certainly could get more wins. I mean, that's that's. I mean, the projection systems only have him at eleven or twelve, but I don't see why he couldn't. You know, we, we talk about guys getting fifteen wins and wins being fickle. He certainly could if he throws one hundred and ninety to two hundred innings. Um, so he that, could, but anyone could. I mean, like, there's there hasn't been like a change in his situation that would make you expect him to get more wins. It's the exact same situation. I mean, the Twins are not. They didn't like add a ton of great hitters or something where they're going to score a run more per game or anything like that, right? No, I mean, and maybe it's just like we were talking about like the guys like the Kershaws and the Scherzers who are no longer there. And, you know, obviously Lopez doesn't have like the, the strikeout upside as a Max Scherzer, but it's like you have to, you almost have to project somebody to be the guy who, who fits into this top 12 and, and, it's, it sounds like you have some other guys. I'm actually glad that we're disagreeing on like Pablo Lopez and Aaron Nola because it also shows you that between four and twenty four, like we we might have a, a lot of different guys. <laughs> um, well, you're, but I mean, you're far from the only one that loves Pablo Lopez. I just true. don't. I just don't understand it. I really don't. I mean, like you could make the case that Jesus Lazardo is is going to be better than pa- Pablo Lopez. I mean, like their K rates were about very similar last year. Um, you know, their walk rates are not that far off. Lazardo had the lower ERA. <laughs> mm. uh, so, yeah, I mean, I just I don't get it. Well, do you want to talk about Lazardo or you want to uh, get into someone else who I have in my top 10? I don't know how high you have Lazardo, but now I'm curious. Not not that high. I mean, <laughs> okay. but that's the thing. I, I have him very close to where I have Lopez. So I've got him at 24. Gotcha. And I have Lopez at 21. Well, I just I think they're very similar. Okay. Well, um, the guy I have at number eight, and so far I haven't really heard of too many people having him this high, but a lot of people have him pretty high. It's Tariq Skubal. And the more I got into Tariq Skubal, uh, again, the more I kind of started falling in love with his stats. And this is a bit of a leap of faith because he hasn't uh, pitched more than 150 innings in a season yet. But he's now a full season removed from that flexor tendon repair surgery. He was awesome last year when he came back from it. Uh, He only pitched 80 innings, but he was number one in XERA at 2.28 versus his 2.80 ERA, top 10 in K rate and walk rate, had a ground ball rate over 50%, which was 14th best among starting pitchers who threw at least 80 innings. Now, I I dropped, you know, when I was looking at fan graphs and sorting everything, I did 80 innings. So obviously, we're looking at a small sample size of what Scooble did last season. But man, already in spring training, he's like throwing 97, 98, you know, his velocity's up. Like, I know there's some hype that will build with stuff like that in spring training, but like I was already excited about him and now he's throwing hard in spring training. So, you know, I like the Tigers too. I think the lineup's better. So I think there might be some better win potential. So I have him in my top 10 and I hope I can get Tariq Skubal in a league or two. Well, I've got him ranked right where you do at number eight. Nice. So the difference for (laughs) me is it is a teardrop (laughs) because for me, you're now in a territory of guys that have a very high ceiling, but have risk. Sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. Tariq Skubal had flexor tendon surgery, <laughs> you know, and he has never pitched more than 150 innings in a season. So like there's durability questions. Mm-hmm. Like even if he stays healthy, they might not have him pitch 180 innings, you know, yep. like, um, so like, I think you just have to, it's kind of like the way that I, and, and I've been in on these guys in the past. I mean, like I, I've been on every year we've done the show, I've been telling people to draft Clayton Kershaw and mm-hmm. knowing that like, 
you're not going to get more than 150 innings max from him, but, but they're going to be like amazing innings. Uh, I wish I had the same level of confidence in Scooble. It's impossible to have that level of confidence in him based on the small sample size, though. Right. So, like, I think he's got great stuff. I think he's got really high upside. Uh, I think he probably taps out at 150 innings. Um, I think, you know, he's got a great ballpark to pitch in. Uh, run support might be kind of an issue. Uh, I know you do like the Tigers this year. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> I know about run support, but um, but yeah, I I I think he's got a ton of upside. I just uh, I do think he's a little riskier, and that's why like uh, he he's not in the same tier for me as those those other four guys that are just being Castillo, Wheeler, Gaussman, and Gallon, where I feel like you can kind of just write them down for good numbers. Whereas with him, there's there's definitely more volatility. That makes sense. I'm I'm looking at ADP just for reference. He's around SP. Uh... 16 based on ADP and everyone and and if you look at rankings too I feel like he's he's usually down there and there's some people like us who probably have him ranked fairly high but like compare him to a Tyler Glass now for instance whose ADP is SP 11 how many innings are we gonna get out of him and maybe he's in this tier for you too I have Glass now a bit further down he's at 14 for me but everyone seems to be like oh well Glass now is now in LA and he's gonna be awesome and what if he does finally throws 180 innings and it's like well he'll probably throw 140 or 150 and we talked about guys like DeGrom last year, and it was like, not that any either of these guys are going to be DeGrom, but it's like, well, you mentioned Kershaw. If you only get 140, 150, that can be okay, too, for your build. So, I don't know. I, I think uh, he probably belongs in a tier with someone like a glass now. So, curious where you have him. Yeah, I do have them in the same tier. I, I have him down at 11, and uh, I think you're being generous saying that Tyler Glasnow will probably throw 140 or 150 innings because he's yeah. never done that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he's never th- – last year he threw 120, and that was the most he's ever thrown uh, in a season. So, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't – I'm not even sure we can be, you know, expecting 140, 150 innings from him. Yeah. If we get the 120 we got last year, uh, that seems like maybe like the median <laughs> – like the median projection, I guess. Yeah. Um. Now those could be really dominant, really dominant uh, innings. I mean, he—you could make a case that after Spencer Strider, like he's the most dominant pitcher out there, um, and especially now that he's going to be pitching uh, for the the Dodgers. Like, I mean, it's just like <laughs> the upside is super high. I mean, it he is. could get a ton of wins too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I there's there's obvious volatility with him. Uh, like it's just, it, there's no doubt about it. So um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of comes down to risk tolerance. Like I would still take him over um, some guys we're going to talk about in a little while who are really safe and have a high floor, but just nowhere near the, the ceiling. Like in those 10 and 12 team leagues, like I'm willing to be adventurous <laughs> and go for it. But yeah. like you have to know the bar, you have to know what you're signing up for, you know? Um, so like, like George Kirby is going ahead of him. Like I would never take George Kirby ahead of Tyler Glasnow, even though mm-hmm. I know Tyler Glasnow is really risky. But there are guys below Glasnow, like Scooble, who we just talked about, um, who I would take ahead of Glasnow. Um, another one I would take ahead of him is uh, y- Yamamoto uh-huh. of the Dodgers. Uh, so like I'll take if if we're choosing between these Dodgers pitchers. I'll take the one that's you know the unknown coming from overseas over the one that's like has the the proven injury history. Yeah. Um cuz I cuz I think 
there's a chance. I mean, Yamamoto could also be completely dominant. So like, I, I like it's not, it's not a slam dunk that Tyler Glasnow is going to be more dominant by than Yamamoto. Um, so given that that's like a, a, a up for debate, I'd rather have the guy with the cleaner bill of health. I'm with you. I have Yamamoto at 11. I mentioned I had Glasnow at 14. So I also would take the risk on sort of the unknown. And it's not like a total unknown because, I mean, you can look and see how great his ratios were in the Japanese leagues. And, I mean, we saw him get a, a what, he threw a couple innings today in spring training. Looked great. I think he struck out three guys, you know, struck out some good Texas Rangers, you know, batters, not just like scrub Kansas City Royals or something <laughs> like guys on the on the split squad or whatever no he, he struck out some some guys like Marcus Simeon and some other guys so he looked good so the more he does that too it's like okay I'm definitely taking him in the top 12 uh, and definitely taking him over Ty- Tyler Glasnow who like you said has great upside I mean if you told me he was that Glasnow was going to pitch 180 185 innings I'd have him at SP4 I'd put him right up maybe even SP3 right there with Burns I'd be ranking him right there but just just with the the risk and we haven't seen it no way am i doing that but george kirby i i do have kirby at at 12 so this is where i think you kind of have your tiers of like all right these are super high upside guys maybe a little risky or whatever and then you have another tier i'm guessing where kirby falls in the i don't know 15 to 18 range or something but Mm -hmm. yeah i I do like i do like kirby at 12 um, but we can get into him when we get to that part in your tier okay yeah i have several other guys like Again, 10 to 12 team league, mixed league, high replacement value on the waiver wire. Uh, I'm aiming high with these. If I'm taking a pitcher in this range, like I want a guy who could, who could potentially be a Max Scherzer yeah. or a, a Jacob DeGrom. You know, like I, I don't want a guy who is just going to be a, uh, you know, a Joe Musgrove or something like that. You right. know, like it's fine, but it's just not, it's not worth the pick to me. So. So I'd rather take the risk. It's calculated risk. It just comes down to who you want to take that risk on. And like I said, Yamamoto, to me, I don't feel like he is that risky. It's just, it is an unknown. But, I mean, the Dodgers, the fact that he's with the Dodgers makes me feel a lot more comfortable with him than if he was going to a, a lot of other teams because I just feel like it's such a great environment uh, for him, mm-hmm. um, both in terms of we've seen the transition for for Japanese players coming to um you know the west coast it's been easier for them and also just like it's a great you know it's i know dodger stadium the park factors haven't been as amazing for it in recent years but i still feel like it's a good pitcher's park yeah um it's these amazing run support like pretty much every pitcher that gets a chance to pitch for the dodgers whether it's the coaching staff or the park or whatever the case may be like they are always good they yeah. are like even like Emmett Shaheen, like I like this year because he's yeah. going to be pitching for the Dodgers. I mean, we talked about <laughs> Gonsolin. Where did he come from? And then he was good because he, he was, was pitching for the Dodgers. You know, <laughs> yeah. So like, I feel like it really raises Yamamoto's floor that he that he is going to the Dodgers, and then he does have that mystery box, incredibly high ceiling. So, um, so yeah, I, uh, you know, I I have the same feeling about Glass now. Like he's going to be really good when he pitches. I just don't know how many innings he's going to be able to throw all right so who else do you have in this tier with with Yamamoto like who are some of the guys who could be you know the Scherzers and the new face of I mean I, I hope you're saying I hope you're going to say Grayson Rodriguez because I have him up here um pretty high and yep okay good <laughs> so yep, who else do you have here good who else do you have <laughs> okay well so the next guy I have in here this one might surprise you a little you tell me but I feel like this guy is like kind of underrated um he is a little bit volatile and risky but 
uh, Freddie Peralta. Mm, yeah, I haven't. I mean, si- Fred- I'm at 16, so I'm not too okay. far down. Too far. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he. I feel like he's a little like volatile start to start. And last year he threw 165 and two thirds, which was his most he's ever thrown. Um, I think he can get back to that. Uh, I don't expect him to throw 200 innings, but his K per nine was 11.41. Um, he's actually had a sub four ERA four years in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty darn good. Um, you know, his whip is like pretty good too, especially when you consider that his walk rate is, is a little bit high. I mean, 112 whip last year, 104 the year before, 0.97 the year before that. So like he's actually yeah. sneaky good in whip. Um I think it's, you know, he generates low BABIPs, and it's one of these things where we've seen it three years in a row now, so I kind of buy that that's just a skill that he owns. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like I like Freddie Peralta a lot. I know that the Brewers are in rebuild, and he's like their only, you know, ace that's left on the staff at this point yeah. with Woodruff hurt and Burns traded, but um, that's fine. I mean, you know, he won 12 games last year. I think he can win 12 games again. Um I just, I just look at what he did, and it's kind of like he was better than Pablo Lopez last season, you know. And he only threw he threw thirty fewer innings than Lopez and generated more value in five by five leagues. Yeah, I mean, uh, you mentioned the whip. I was going to say it if you hadn't, because yeah, four years in a row below one point one six. You mentioned the point nine seven one year. Yeah, the strikeout rates are really good. Twenty twenty two. You look at that season. He had some shoulder issues, you know. So like. 2021 and 2023 if you kind of say okay 2022 he had the shoulder issues like he had some really good numbers uh 2021 and 2023 so if he's healthy he absolutely can be in this in this tier that you're talking about um guys who can be an ace he clearly is the ace in in milwaukee like you said i'm at 16 so i haven't like starting a new tier but i also have sort of different tiers since like i said i have george kirby at 12 so you know, mm-hmm. I, my my tiers are a little mixed up. It's not like a tier of all high upside guys. I have some some more like safer floor guys mixed in as well. Yeah, I get that. And when I do my like fantasy pros rankings, where I'm trying to just predict how the guys are going to finish at the end of the season, like, yep. I might put some of those high floor guys above some of the more volatile high ceiling guys. But when it comes to actually draft strategy, like I would take these these more volatile high ceiling guys first well you mentioned uh, Kyle Bradish at the top when we were talking about injured guys and I've I've moved Bradish so far down I, I'm just so worried about Tommy John with him um, but that leaves we'd already talked about Burns but Grayson Rodriguez I have him at 15 and he's he's kind of the clear number two right now right and if he can take a leap here in year two I, I just I expect his strikeout rate to increase when you look at what he's done uh, in the minor leagues he has potential to do much better with his ratios which you know Things improved if you look like kind of down the stretch with Grayson Rodriguez. He had, you know, a bit up and down. You know, with rookies, you've got walk issues and you've got home run issues and all sorts of stuff. But I love the ballpark now for pitchers in Camden. And I love Grayson Rodriguez. Like, he's someone who I think could absolutely take a leap. And you kind of do have to, like Tariq Skubal, you kind of have to be like, okay, you have to project that he's going to improve. But Grayson Rodriguez, there's super great pro- prospect pedigree. There's reason to believe that, that he could do it. So where do you have Rodriguez? Yeah, I've got him at 13, so solidly in this tier. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's true you have to project um, in terms of his overall season numbers, but if you kind of take a microscope to it and look at the the different periods of his season, I mean, he got off to a really rough start, um, but 
you know, once he got sent down and then he came back in July, uh, the rest of the way from from that call up, he posted a 2.58 ERA and a 1.10 WHIP in 76 and two thirds innings after the All Star break. Yeah, um, and his strikeout rate came down a bit um, to get his walk rate down. So like it was a trade off that kind of worked for him. But the thing that really excites me is that if you look at September. He actually did both because he had a 9.93K per nine and a 2.17 walk per nine in September. Uh, That was really kind of where he put it all together. So I feel like he needed to sacrifice some strikeouts temporarily to get the control Mm -hmm. going um, because the walks were just unsustainably high and it it was killing him, you know. Um, But I I feel like that's just growing pains for him. Like Like he's clearly got the stuff to be a high strikeout guy and he's got the stuff to have an ERA that's for the whole season that's a lot better uh, than it was last year because of that rough start to the year. So I look at it as it's not just, it's not purely projecting. We, he actually showed us um, as the season went along that he could do it. So I'm, I'm bullish on Grayson Rodriguez. Well, mentioning what happened with Rodriguez there with the strikeouts coming down, but getting, you know, his walk rate better. We'll, we'll talk about him likely in the next show, but Kyle Harrison for the giants last year, a similar thing happened where his last you know, he came in hot striking everybody out and then his last three starts down the stretch the strikeouts went away but like his control looked better and i just wonder if they were kind of working on some things um i mean young pitcher right like they're trying to figure out what to do with them but anyway i don't want to get too far ahead i'm trying to figure out how to get kyle harrison in my top 50 and i don't think we'll get to <laughs> that far down today yeah we'll, we'll save that for the next show yeah but uh that should be a good conversation for sure um so yeah i mean once you get to to talking about Rodriguez, these are these these guys at the bottom of this tier for me are are guys who um, you haven't necessarily seen dominate um, for a whole season. Now, again, you can say the same thing about Scooble and Yamamoto too. So, yeah. um, you know, Peralta and Glass now like have actually thrown a hundred plus dominant innings. I mean, I guess Scooble pretty much did last year too. So, like, yeah. those three have done it for like big chunks of a season Peralta is the one who's done it for the, the most innings of any of this group. But, um, you know, I think Rodriguez, yeah, I, I saw, I liked what I saw. And then I, I have Cole Reagans and Yuri Perez in it tiered in there with them as well. Mm. Um, so I know that might be a little bit of a reach on, on, uh, in some people's minds, but like Cole Reagans, man, <laughs> I had him on my fantasy team last year and like, he definitely helped me win a championship with how dominant he was. Uh, once he came over to Kansas City, like he just figured something out. You know what I mean? Like it yep. was the stuff was always there, um, but like he just he needed it to get unlocked. And man, did it get unlocked! Like he was just so good down the stretch. He, I mean, once he he came to Kansas City, he had a two sixty four ERA, a one hundred seven WHIP, and eleven point one eight K per nine over his twelve starts with the Royals. Um, he you know he has a hundred mile per hour fastball. He had elite K rates all through the minors. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the one concern with him, it's a concern we've talked about with a lot of these pitchers, is the walks. Mm-hmm. They can be they can be up there at times than they were in the minors too. Um, so that's something he'll have to uh, keep under wraps. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just feel like he's got dominant, dominant stuff. Uh, so I just love the upside uh, with Cole Riggins. And, I, again, like 12 starts, it's, it's only 12 starts, but, like, it's uh, it was it was consistently excellent um, from July on to the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I like Cole Reagans a lot too. I don't have him this high. I have actually have Yuri Perez at twenty three, Cole Reagans at twenty four. So I have them a bit lower, 
And yeah, as far as Reagan's, I mean, my part of the note that I wrote up on him is exactly what you said. If he can get the walks under control, he can be a top 12 fantasy starting pitcher. I mean, that it, it comes down to that for me. Um, it's, it's the walks. I mean, he's a former first round pick, like you said, came over from the Rangers and did all did, you, you said all the numbers about when he became a Royal. What I don't really get is why the projection systems all have the strikeout rate going down. Like I, I'm like, I'm not buying that. Like I know I have eyeballs and saw what he did last year. Like, I don't see why he can't just do what he did. You know, like you've, like you've said with other guys, like nothing's changing. He's not like with a new team and all this. Like, so yeah, I love Cole Reagan's there's, there's some risk obviously with the walks, uh, Yuri Perez. Like I have him in a similar area like you do. I think before we talk about Perez, can I just say though, that like, even, I mean, even with the walk rate, like, I still think that I, w- I would like to see where Reagan's ranked here. I'll pull it up on see if baseball monster has it just like where he ranked in the last three months of the season or something like that, yeah. even with the walks, like, yeah. I, you know, cause it's just like, <laughs> he was just so dominant that like, um, he, he can walk, he can walk three batters per nine and still, and still be dominant. You know, I mean, those numbers will play regardless of the walks, you know, yep. like he's, if you're, if you're pretty much unhittable, like, you're gonna have you're gonna have a pretty good whip even if you know even if you um are walking your fair share of guys yeah no you that, know? That's, so, that's fair yeah yeah well um i i don't have the number right in front of me but like yeah i mean he was he was definitely like a, a top top 15 type of starting pitcher uh over that 12 game stretch even with the walks yeah and as, as far as perez like he's uh even younger he's 20 20 years old right now as we're recording this you know he'll be about 21 uh, shortly after opening day so very young um i just i worry a little bit that the marlins are going to let him pitch much more than like 100 innings uh so that's that's the concern i have with perez because yeah he can be one of the elite strikeout pitchers in all of baseball i think like just his stuff he even he also posted great ratios in his first you know taste of the majors last year which was awesome you know he the walks were a little bit of a concern too. I mean, like that we're going to see that. I think he's likely due for some negative Babbitt progression, but we also don't know. Like it's such a small sample size. Like there's things you can look at the numbers and be like, Oh, this will happen or that'll happen. But we also, it's just such a small sample size that Yuri Perez might just be really good. And I just worry about like, is he going to throw a hundred, 110 innings or is he going to throw 150 or 60 innings? So like, that's, that's my concern with Yuri Perez. I think what, what he does throw, he'll be great. Yeah, I, that's a fair. That's a, certainly a fair point. I mean, I you know, I I would put his, I would put his innings projection probably similar to Tyler Glass now. You know, so yeah. Um, and I think he can be every bit as dominant as Tyler Glass now. So like to me, they belong in the same tier. Uh, and uh, you know, obviously he's not going to have the same level of run support <laughs> uh, that Glass now no. will have, but like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I also feel like we know the warts with Glass now, whereas, like, with Perez, like, he might, I mean, he could take a huge step forward. Like, what he did last year was was really impressive for a guy who's who was 20 years old, you know, making his first appearance in the major leagues. So, like, I'm not going to, you know, quibble about, like, his walk rate being a little bit higher, his, like, ERA metrics being a little higher than his ERA actually was like I mean like you said none of that will matter if he just (laughs) takes another step forward this year which I think is entirely possible so like you know in this tier I want guys who I could I could see being the number one overall pitcher like and I feel like there is 
again, the innings is the biggest thing standing in his way. But like on a per start basis, I could see him being the most dominant pitcher in, uh, and most valuable pitcher in all of fantasy. So do you have anyone else in this tier? Because I'm itching to talk about a couple like more boring guys who I have ranked ahead of all these guys you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it. That's it uh, for, my, for okay. my high upside tier. So we can get to the boring tier okay. now. Yeah, I've, I've, I've got to show some love to George Kirby, who we've mentioned a couple times. At, I have George Kirby at 12, and I have Logan Webb at 13. So, And I put them back-to-back because, like, you know, neither one is super high in the strikeout department. I have a little bit of faith that George Kirby could improve there, but he wasn't even in my top 30 starting pitchers last season. But he did lead all starting pitchers in walk rate. He's, I mean, there are so many games where he doesn't walk anyone. His control is just amazing. But yeah, the strikeouts, like I, I think he's young enough to think that he can improve in that department, which is why I have him ranked one spot ahead Logan Webb, uh, whereas Logan Webb, you know, he had a top five walk rate, so he's up there too, uh, best ground ball rate among starting pitchers last season, so I love that he's a workhorse who goes deep into games and all that, but like, he's more of an accumulator with the strikeouts because he throws so many innings, he goes deep into games, I don't think that, like, I love Logan Webb, but he's not, like he probably will finish as like the number 10 or 12 starting pitcher, but I don't think he's going to be replacing Jacob deGrom in the fantasy upper echelon. So where do you have Kirby and Webb? Uh, yeah, I mean, I have them right right there in that next group for me. So like um, I have Kirby at 16 and Webb at 17. I, I think they have to kind of go, yeah. go back to back. They're very similar. Um, I don't, you know, I understand Webb is, I mean, I understand Kirby is only 26 and like, he throws he has a really good fastball so like i feel like people are kind of wish casting this like growth in strikeouts from him you know and like yeah i just don't i don't know i don't really buy it like i feel like it's it's projecting to a significant degree because like we're we're looking at two seasons where he's thrown uh a lot of innings i mean you know and uh it's just the strikeout rate. Even in 2022, it was just over a batter per inning. Last year, it was well below a batter per inning. So, like, mm-hmm. I feel like him even getting back to like a batter per inning strikeout would be would have to be considered a success. I, I don't think you can even bank on that. So, uh, so he's going to put you behind the eight ball uh, a little bit there in terms of the strikeout rate. Now, again, it is very format dependent because if you play in a league that's um, like the league that you just joined on mine is uh, an innings capped league. So the strikeout, the K mm-hmm. per nine is really important there. Uh, if you play in a league that doesn't have an innings cap and it's just like, um, for example, like a head to head categories league or something like, you know, guys can just rack up the strikeouts by pitching a lot of innings. So like, you know, George Kirby is going to probably pitch a lot of innings. So like he won't be that bad in strikeouts in the cumulative, but his K rate uh, is not going to be that good. Um, and I just don't, I don't really buy that he's going to have some huge progression there. So, uh, yeah, the, the the control is amazing, and it pretty much ensures that he's going to have great ratios. I mean, especially um, the ERA's, you know, been consistent the last two years. The WHIP actually is interesting because last year 104, the year before 121. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, to me, that's that kind of comes down to like is he like how hittable is he <laughs> you know what i mean because like guys sometimes guys with really low walk rates that live around the strike zone can be pretty hittable and and george kirby was pretty hittable in uh 2022 he was not nearly as hittable last year so um i think he'll be strong in whip um maybe not 104 but um 
you know, you look at like the Yahoo rankings for value and like he's back to back in terms of his his value from last season in five by five leagues with his teammate Luis Castillo. Um but you look at their you look at the individual categories, I mean they were basically a wash in innings and wins and ERA. So really with Castillo you got um you got like forty eight no, you got like forty seven more strikeouts and with Kirby you got point oh six in whip, you know? And it's like yeah. if you ask me which of those things I trust to continue. Like I trust that Luis Castillo is going to strike out 40 more batters than George Kirby. I don't necessarily trust that George Kirby is going to have a whip that's 0.06 better than Luis Castillo. Like that to me is could yeah. go either way, you know? So like guys that don't strike out as many batters, it's just, it's putting more pressure on them to have those truly elite ratios. Cause if they just have good, but not amazing ratios, then suddenly their value uh, takes a major hit. Yeah, and with Logan Webb, like he doesn't have the strikeout rate either, like I mentioned. But when you look at the ratios, like his ERA the last three seasons has basically been like three point oh oh average. Now last year it was three point two five, you know, and his WHIP has been basically right around one point one oh average. You know, one point oh seven, one point one six, one point one one. All the projections have his ERA and WHIP slightly higher than it was last year, but he's just been so consistent with the ratios the last three seasons that. I do trust it, and I think, like, I don't mind. Like, in that league that we're in, I'm probably going to keep Logan Webb, and I get it. With I, I had that exact consideration thinking about it. It's like, well, there's an innings cap, so you want to, like, maximize your innings, and I get that, but he's just going to be this set-it-and-forget-it guy, I hope. You know, barring injury, anybody can get injured, but, like, he'll just be this set-it-and-forget-it guy that I just hope can just anchor my ratios. And I know I'm not going to get the Ks, but, like, I'll get the Ks somewhere else. Like, maybe I'll get Cole Reagans, or maybe I'll get Dylan Cease. Like, maybe I can be like screw it i'll go ahead and <laughs> take dylan cease and not worry about it because i'll have logan webb to offset some of that bad whip yeah no that totally makes sense like i i don't hate drafting these guys at all as like stabilizers i just think that they're to me they're more valuable in deeper leagues or in leagues where there's not like an innings cap um but yeah but yeah i they're they're definitely like i mean i have the i have kirby and Lo- and webb ranked 16th and 17th so it's not like i'm saying don't draft them uh, at all. Uh, um, but I just I'm a sucker for upside. What can I say? I mean, even in this <laughs> even in this tier of boring guys, I actually have one pitcher who is kind of a boring guy, but like I feel like he has more upside. <laughs> as, and I have him ahead of, of those other two. Uh, do you want to try to guess who it is? Oh, so a boring guy, but has some upside. Um, well, I was about to guess Framer Valdez because he, he kind of belongs with these guys, but I'm going to, I don't know. I'm going to go with, uh, I'll go with Bobby Miller. No, <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> think he's a boring guy, but I like, uh, we'll get to him. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of down on Miller. Uh, it's actually Max Freed. Oh, okay. Cause like, you know, the volatility is there a little more with him because he's coming off a season where he, he had like three different injuries. <laughs> so yeah, like he only threw 77 and two thirds innings last year, but you know, you were talking about how good um, Logan Webb's ERAs have been the last three years. Max Freed's have been even better. I mean, like mm, he had a yeah. 225 ERA in 2020, 304 in 2021, 248 and then two four and 255. <laughs> I mean, those are like insanely low ERAs. Um, you know he's had he's had uh, whip uh, one thirteen or lower all four of those seasons as well. Uh, he pitches for the Braves, so like he won fourteen games in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. Even though 
Uh, he didn't, you know, pitch uh, a, a full season's worth of games. He missed a, a few starts here and there. Um, you know, another guy where the K rate is not incredible. That's why he's in the boring tier for me. Um, last year, he actually yeah. struck out a batter per inning for the first time uh, since 2019. So, like, I, do I expect him to strike out a batter per inning? Probably not. Um, you know, I think he might. I think he might strike out more batters per inning than George Kirby, and he definitely will than Logan Webb. So, like, yeah, he's not he he's not bad there. He's he's okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just love the ratios. I love the win potential. I'm not that thrown off by the injuries. Cause I mean, he was pretty durable before that, the, those injuries last year and it was like three different injuries. So it wasn't like one thing that ruined him. You know, I, I, I don't know. I just, I'm not, uh, I, we can like the same way we can over overrate stats from one season to the next. We can also overrate injuries. If it's not the kind of injury that's going to stick with a, a pitcher, then, um, that I'm willing to give him a pass for that, basically. Yeah, and we still have, you know, probably at least a couple of weeks to make sure he's, you know, pitching in spring training and looks good and all that. And, and yeah, hopefully the form issue doesn't resurface. You're right about, like, the elite ratios for Freed. I mean, he's awesome. And he, and he doesn't give up home runs, you know, like, like like at all. So, yeah, plays for the Braves, like you said. A lot of, lot of stuff to love about Max Freed. I have him at 20. So we're, we're talking about guys all in the very similar areas here. Uh, I mentioned Framer Valdez. I have him at 18. I feel like he should probably be mentioned with these boring guys. You know, he's 30 years old, uh, quality start monster, big ground ball guy. You know, but prior to last season, Valdez was like 66 to 70% ground ball rate. I mean, it was incredible. And then last year it was 54%. So I don't know what happened, you know, with his pitch. You know, people started maybe hitting, you know, his splitter or cutter or something better. I don't know what, what happened with, with Valdez. But he needs to kind of figure that out because I, I, I love Valdez when he's getting all the ground balls and, and going deep into games for the Astros. So he's another kind of boring guy, I think. I think you could do worse with your second starting pitcher. I wouldn't want him to be like my anchor. I wouldn't want to draft Framer Valdez as my number one starting pitcher. Um, I probably wouldn't want to draft Logan Webb as my number one starting pitcher, to be honest, or the, these guys we're talking about. I'd much rather have some of these high upside guys that you're talking about. So while we differ a little bit where we rank, I do kind of agree with you as like, I'd rather have these guys as my SP two, mm-hmm. not my SP one. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. And, the, um, you know, but if you have, like, if you wait a while to take pitching, then it's okay to have them as your SP one. You just, it, you're going to yeah. need to, like you said, kind of prioritize, um, some different things, uh, with your other pitchers, like more, like there's high upside, low floor guys you can draft later too, who have like a ton of strikeout upside, but you don't know how many innings they're going to throw. And, or it, maybe they True. have an injury history. Maybe they're young. Like there's, there's guys like that at every portion of the draft. So like, I don't hate starting your draft with one of these building block kind of high floor guys, but yeah, they do feel, they certainly feel more like SP twos than SP ones. And, um, I, I agree with you about Valdez. I mean, I, I've heard people like getting worried about him because of short periods of the season where things were not going well and things like that. But mm. I mean, I just don't, I think that's over analyzing, you know, like, I mean, yeah. he's, he's had a lot of major league innings. Um, no, there hasn't been any like substantial change in his circumstances. He's pitching for the same team that he always has. He's, just entering his age 30 season so he's not like over the hill um i just feel like 
his numbers have been so similar um, from year to year over the last four seasons that like I don't I don't see any reason for that to change. You know, I mean, walk rates a little bit high, strikeouts are right around a batter per inning. ERA is going to be you know in the low threes. WHIP is going to be you know one fifteen. It's just kind of maybe you know if he has a bad year, what does that look like a one a three fifty ERA a one twenty WHIP? You know, I mean it's like. He's right. got a really high floor. Yeah, and he could win like 17, 18 games. Like this is someone like like Logan Webb who goes de- deep into games. You know, you'll see him throw five and two thirds, six and two thirds, like on the regular and pitching for a, a solid. You know, pitching for the Astros versus the Giants, even better. You know, for the win potential. So, where, yeah. where do you have Valdez? Are, is he in your top twenty? He is in this tier. He's at the end of this tier for me, though. Um, okay, I just, I just don't. You know, I, I don't know. He doesn't seem to give quite as um like the other guys have something about them that stands out a little bit more to me like Webb and freed feel like they can stand out a little bit more uh, in terms of era and kirby maybe more in terms of whip um so like he's he, i mean i know like valdez had a 282 area in 2022 so like mm-hmm. i don't want to overstate that um i just feel like it's the, you know these are small degrees but i feel like his era is probably more likely to be in like the 330 to 350 range um but uh but yeah i mean um the other guys i have in this tier are uh zach efflin and joe musgrove so Mm, these are that that rounds out my kind of boring building block tier um you know efflin is a guy who really took a huge step forward coming over um from philly to tampa bay and we've seen the rays do this with pitchers like they they have their own approach to pitching and uh you know, his strikeout rate in particular jumped up really high. I mean, he hadn't struck out over a batter printing since the COVID year. And and I don't even think you can really count that one, that year too much for strikeouts because, like, guys knew they didn't have to throw that many innings that season. So it's kind of like yeah. you see relief pitchers come in and they, they, put, they, they have high strikeout rates because they throw as hard as they can, you know, or, like, guys in the playoffs, you sometimes see their, their, their miles per hour jump up a, a, a tick or two. You know, because it's like the the end is in sight. I feel like that whole season was like that. So, um, you know, he wasn't really a strikeout guy in my mind before last season. But now, 9.42K per nine last year. ERA, 350 was a, a career best. Uh, the walk rate was down significantly also from the previous season. Uh, yeah, second lowest was, to George Kirby, the walk yeah, rate. Yeah, there, there you go. And yep. uh, 102 whip to go along with that. So, like, yeah, I mean, like – Zach Eflin, and he won 16 games too. <laughs> like he was yeah. awesome last season. Um, so yeah, I, uh, you know, my he was actually the f- number four overall pitcher in fantasy value um, last season as well, only behind Garrett Cole, Blake Snell, and Spencer Strider. So like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're getting a little bit of a discount on him just because it was his first season doing it. Uh, you know, I f- I feel like last year is probably like the high end of. <laughs> His, his range of outcomes but like that's a really high end actually so mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean I, I could even see moving him up a little bit just based on the upside he displayed last season yeah i have Eflin at 22 which is pretty right in line with adp uh, and honestly it was it was hard to like rank him so highly after not ranking him very highly and for him coming off you know having this career year but but you're right like he could do it again he's still in tampa uh there's no reason to think that he's not this solid pitcher in all these categories and you know that super low walk rate was awesome. Um, his expected as as mu- stats were actually way lower. Like his expected ERA yeah. and XFIP were both around three ten. 
Yeah. So I have and I have I have Musgrove. You mentioned him. I have him uh, slightly lower than Eflin. I have Musgrove at twenty six. Um, but I mean, I, I love Joe Musgrove too. Uh, he had the fifth best xERA among starting pitchers last season, three point one six. And his ERA, his regular ERA, was even better than that. So <laughs> that's like the note that I started writing about Joe Musgrove. He did have his highest BABIP since twenty twenty, so that could come down, uh, which would be great. He, he's really one of the most solid pitchers in baseball, even at age thirty one. I think he has some good seasons ahead of him. Uh, I just think that, like, you know, like these guys, these Verlanders and types that we've talked about, like who where you saw the K rate kind of fall off. I do think that, like, the high K rate from Musgrove might be a thing of the past. But at this point, where we're kind of in the twenties, at least for me, you know, you're gonna you're not gonna have super high upside K rate, or if you do, you're gonna have all these other warts. So Musgrove is just a really solid pitcher. Yeah, I mean. Like you say, the K rates. I mean, it's still a batter per inning. It's like higher, a lot higher than I would expect from Logan Webb and George Kirby. And ERA wise, three eighteen, two ninety three, three oh five. The last three seasons, like, yep, really good. Um, the WHIP is very solid as well. I mean, actually more than solid. I mean, one fourteen last year, but one oh eight each of the previous two years. So like, I I actually think Joe Musgrove is underrated. I think he's really really good. Um, the only question is health. I mean, he, he missed half the season last year. So like you are, I do feel like he has a little bit more risk, mm-hmm. um, than these other pitchers in this tier. So that's kind of why I moved him towards the back end of this tier. I mean, cause the whole point of this tier is, is safety, I guess. <laughs> um, so, but I don't know. I mean, I have freed at the top of this tier, so I'm not sure Musgrove is that much more mm-hmm. risky than freed. I mean, maybe I should have those two at the top of the tier. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so is that the that's the end of your tier there, Musgrove of sort of the the safer guys? Yeah, I've got I've got so to recap it, I've freed at fifteen, Kirby sixteen, Webb seventeen, Eflin eighteen, Musgrove nineteen, and Framber Valdez at twenty. That's a solid tier, and, and I, I do I do like how you group them. Um, maybe maybe one day I'll change up how I do this, but I, I do like how you group guys in in, in tiers like that. Thank um, you. I, I like to look for categories of pitchers, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So there's a couple guys in my top 20 who you didn't mention and I'll just, I'll mention them. So Bobby Miller, we've already mentioned, I actually have him at 17. Um, I think there's a plenty of upside here. We've talked about the, we're going to talk about a lot of Dodgers and Bobby Miller wasn't really on my radar last year. Cause I wasn't really expecting him necessarily to be up, but this we've got to pay attention to rookies, right? And we'll get into some rookies as we get into the next episode. Um, but yeah, he had a, he had a much higher strikeout rate in the minor leagues, which we often see, we often see that not translate right away, but like a Grayson Rodriguez, I do think there's room for improvement and strike in the strikeout department for Bobby Miller. And he had a really, really good season. So I don't know. It, it's, I, I'm guessing you have Bobby Miller maybe in your next year, if you have some younger guys um, with some upside or maybe you have him further down, but I've got him in my top 20. I, I think I, again, I might take one of those solid guys above him. And so there's some, there's some things where you're in a draft and where you take guys, but I, I, I had a hard time not putting Bobby Miller in my top 20. Yeah, I don't know. He's another guy I feel like I'm a little lower on than the consensus out there. I, I feel like there's like a tendency that I'm I'm seeing in the in among fantasy analysts to to group him in the same group uh, with Yuri Perez and Grayson Rodriguez. Um, I just don't see it. I like I like I understand the upside is there, but to me it feels like it's it's almost purely based on projecting with Bobby Miller because. He wasn't bad last year, but he was hardly dominant. I mean, he had a 3.76 ERA. Um, he had a uh, 
the 110 whip was good um but like i don't know i like that was with a pretty low babip i mean his walk rate was fine but not exceptional like i think he might have got a little bit fortunate to have that low a whip and then k per nine only 8.61 so like you know i the point holds about the dodgers it's a good spot to be in for sure like i I feel like as long as he's sticking in the rotation, like he's going to be solid. Um, but that's another issue with the Dodgers too. I mean, we've seen it with this team. They don't stick with the same five starters all season long. You know, they they rotate guys in and out. There'll be some phantom IL stints or, or like send a guy down to the minors for no reason or, you know, whatever the case may be. Go to, I don't know, mm-hmm. maybe they'll go to six-man rotation at some point. Like they have a way of limiting innings for their all, all of their pitchers. Um, so I think that's, and, and again, Bobby Miller only threw 124 innings with the Dodgers last year, 14 innings in the minors. So that's 138 innings last year. I mean, I, I don't see him going much over 150 and, um, right. yeah, I just, I, like, I don't want to hate on Bobby Miller because like he's got great stuff and he's a really high end prospect. So like he could easily yeah. make me look silly and be, have this huge breakout, but I just feel like I, I don't understand why, like. Like, with Grayson Rodriguez and Yuri Perez, they actually kind of did break out already. Whereas, like, Bobby Miller, I don't feel like he really did. So, like, why do I have to pay such a higher price for him than I have to do for guys like Tanner Bybee or, or, or mm. um, you know, like, uh, how about how about Bybee's teammate, Gavin Williams? Like, you sure. know, those guys are really good prospects, too. And, like, they're much cheaper than Bobby Miller. So, I, I feel like it's kind of, I don't know. It feels like the Dodger hype is a little uh, too much with Bobby Miller inflating his ADP. Yeah, and I mean, Bobby Miller is going – I mean, he's a, he's a top 100 player. I'm looking at his overall, and he's going around players like O'Neill Cruz and Josh Lowe and, I mean, some of these players. Again, we haven't really talked a whole lot about ADP and pitchers versus, you know, some of these other players. I mean, like, I'm taking O'Neill Cruz over Bobby Miller, like <laughs> probably nine times out of ten. I mean, it depends on how the draft is going and things like that. But um, – the reason I ranked kind of Grayson Rodriguez, then Bobby Miller, and then Yuri Perez, and they're not back-to-back-to-back to back to back for me, but, like, you're right. I mean, what you said about Grayson Rodriguez, and I, I might be a little bit of bias because I'm an Orioles fan, but, yeah, he did kind of already break out a little bit in the second half once he kind of came back after being sent down. Uh, Yuri Perez, I, I mentioned, I am kind of worried that he might only throw, like, 100 innings. I think we're going to get more innings out of Bobby Miller. I like the, you know, the team context, obviously, with the Dodgers that you mentioned. And yeah, I am projecting a little bit that like the strikeout rate will come up, but the projection systems themselves disagree with me. So I, we'll, we'll see what happens with Bobby Miller. I, I think that I'm putting him in my top 20, but likely not drafting him because I'm right in line with ADP and I, I don't, I don't love him. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think, you know, you have him, where, where do you have him exactly? Bobby Miller? I have him at 27. Okay. So about 10 spots lower. Yeah, and another point about the ADP, I mean, um, we're using Fantasy Pros ADP, which uses five different outlets Mm -hmm. um, to create their consensus ADP. And ESPN, for some reason, has his ADP way out of line. Like, they have him at 115. So that's, like, dragging down his ADP. Like, the other four places, he's actually going around pick 80. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, So, like, he's going ahead of Zach Eflin. And, like, Zach Eflin was dominant last season, you know? Like, I understand it took Zach Eflin a long time to get to this stage. But, like, he exhibited the kind of dominance that people are hoping that Bobby Miller can show. Like, if Bobby Miller was as good this season as Zach Eflin was last season, people would be putting him in with 
Garrett Cole and Corbin Burns is like an, a dominant superstar pitcher, you know, like, so I'm, the, I just, I, I mean, it's different if you play in dynasty or a keeper league or anything like that. But like, if you're just playing in a redraft league, like I, I think Zach Eflin is a much better bet than Bobby Miller. Okay. Well, there's someone else who was really dominant last year who we haven't mentioned yet. And I'm, I'm trying to pull, I'm, I've got so many tabs open that I'm looking at right now and I'm trying to pull up my tab and my note on Blake Snell. And you haven't mentioned Blake Snell yet. I know we've talked <laughs> about him and probably disagreed on him in years past, but I have him as a top 20 uh, pitcher. I think I have him at 19. Like I said, I'm I'm trying to pull this back up. Um, yeah, won the Cy Young last year with the Padres. Do you get fantasy points for that? or <laughs> No, you don't get fantasy points. But he's the, he's the only the seventh guy to win the, the Cy Young for two different uh, you know, AL and NL. I'm joking. Which is, I mean, he was the he was the number two most valuable pitcher in fantasy. So like, yeah, and, and it, like it, it was a good yeah. season for him. <laughs> it was, and you know, we already talked about Garrett Cole winning the Cy Young. So like, you've got. I, I remember the year where Robbie Ray won the Cy Young, and then you were you were off him the year after, and I think you were right. You know, and yeah, so like, it was. it's it's fair if you're if you're off Blake Snell, but at some point, I don't think you can rank him outside your top thirty. Let's say, and so I have him mm-hmm. I have him in my top twenty, just barely. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm pulling up my note to see what other like tidbits I had about Blake Snell, but what are your thoughts on him and where did you rank him? Yeah. So I've got him in this, in this tier of guys that I just don't know what to do with. It's only three (laughs) guys. It's Pablo Lopez, Aaron Nola and Blake Snell. Nice. (laughs) So so I have Blake Snell at 23, um, in my rankings and I feel good with him there. I feel like that's a, that's a spot where like the risk and reward lineup for me, because like Blake Snell can, yeah, I mean, he can be the best pitcher in baseball for long stretches, and then he can be completely unplayable for long stretches. Yep. And last year, he was basically just dominant. Um, But you look under the hood, and I mean, he had the highest walk rate he's had since his rookie year, and he's had a lot of high walk rates. But last Mm -hmm. year was 4.95 walks per nine. I mean, that is a massively high walk rate for a pitcher uh let alone for a pitcher who won the Cy Young and was the second mm-hmm. most valuable uh player uh pitcher in fantasy like that's that's a really hard trick to pull off um you know his expected numbers were way worse I mean 225 ERA expected ERA 377 x yep. 362 um yeah I I just I don't I like I was listening to one of the other podcasts and they were saying buy Blake Snell when he has bad seasons and sell him when he has good ones. I, I pretty <laughs> yeah. much agree with that. Like there's just like, there's so many ups and downs with him. Like the one thing, you know, you're going to get is strikeouts, but like, I, I, you know, he walked so many batters that even as dominant as he was last year, he still had a one nineteen whip, you know, like, yeah, I mean like he's going to be subpar in whip, even in the best case scenario. And that 225 ERA was obviously an outlier. I mean, that's totally unsustainable. So you bring that up even one run, give him a 325, that's still lower than all the projection systems are looking at. That's going to take a big dent out of his uh, fantasy value because the whip goes up with that into the probably mid-120s up to maybe 130. Um, So you get the Ks, sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think he's a great bet for wins because he's so inefficient. Like when you walk that many guys, you you build up your pitch count. You know, we also don't know where he's going to play. I mean, yeah, like it could be a good thing, but it could be a bad thing. Like he could go to a, a a home run heavy park and 
then that could become an issue for him. I mean, there were times earlier in his career where he gave up a lot of home runs. The last couple of years in San Diego, it was a really low rate. So, like, mm-hmm. that's a great place to play to avoid home runs. You know, like, yep. that might not be true in the next place he pitches. He, We have no idea if he's going to be in a place where he'll get great run support. I mean, we assume he'll probably go to a contender, but that doesn't mean it's going to be a team that has a loaded offense. Like, there are contenders that are more uh, pitching-heavy contenders, you know. So... There's a lot of question marks with him. The upside's what he did last year. The downside is, like, droppable. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I agree with pretty much everything everything you said, and I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, here on the 29th of February, we still don't know where he's going to be. And that, that could certainly impact it because, you're right. like, he, like you said, he has done a good job the last couple of years of limiting the home runs, but that might not be the case, depending on – or maybe it will be the case. Like, I know there have been rumors about the Giants. Like, that would be a good place to go. Um so, yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to see where Snell ends up. Um, all right, so we've gotten through about 20 or so. Uh, I have a couple other guys uh, that would kind of round out my top 25 or 26. What about you? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm good to, like, save, uh, save my, my guys for the next show if you want. We're about an hour and a half in, so this is probably yeah. a good time to just touch on a couple more of your guys we haven't talked about yet, and then okay. we can pick up on the next show. Sure. Um, well, you mentioned you mentioned Yuri Perez earlier. I have his teammate Jesus Lazardo, who you also kind of mentioned earlier. And so we'll we'll get back to him. I have him at twenty five uh, down here. Kind of like I have Yuri Perez, Cole Reagans, Jesus Lazardo, kind of back to back to back. Um, you know, Lazardo has had some trade rumors uh, circling around him. I mean, so is so is like all the Marlins pitchers. I, I don't know what they're going to do there, but let's assume he stays in Miami. I mean, I like him either way. Like he he looked good even coming over from Oakland. Um, but he's been really good in Miami, posting double-digit strikeout rates, decent ERA, uh, 1.04 WHIP in 2022. I'd like to see his walk rate continue to trend down, but I've I've always really liked Jesus Lazardo. I think he's a pretty good pitcher, and yeah, like I don't know if he's going to stay in Miami, but like, assuming he does, like, well, like I said, either way, I like him. So uh, I have him at 25. Where do you have Jesus Lazardo? Yep, I've got him at 24. He's at the top of my next tier, and honestly, like he's kind of a tweener for me, like. I could almost put him up in the like boring safe guys tier. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem with that is just last year was the first time he threw more than a hundred innings in a season. I mean, he threw a hundred and a third, 100 and one third innings in 2022. So like, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's some durability concerns. Um, certainly walks are an issue for him too. So like that one, you mentioned that one Oh four whip. I, I, I don't think that's really a realistic expectation for him. Um, that was kind of like a one-off thing. I think Yeah. he could he could maybe do better than he did last season, but he's probably not going to be a, a major asset in WIP. Um, so, like, for me, he's like an ERA and strikeouts guy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think he's got a pretty high floor um, in terms of a per-start basis. Like, he's going he's gonna to be very solid when he's pitching. It's just a question of the innings and then maybe the efficiency. Okay, and the other guy I want to talk about is uh, George Kirby's teammate, Logan Gilbert. Uh, I was just kind of pulling up his ADP to see where Gilbert was. So he's he's pitcher 20, SP20, and that's about where I have him. I have him as SP21, and I think last year we kind of talked about these two kind of in the same breath, and it was kind of who's going to be better, and Logan Gilbert was actually the one who ended up with the higher strikeout rate, which was surprising to me. I, I really thought that Gilbert would have the higher strikeout rate, and I know we or, I, or that, Ker- that Kirby would, but he didn't. Um, and, you know, Gilbert also had a very good walk rate. It wasn't the stellar one that Kirby had, but he was still top 12 in walk rate. 
Um, so he was kind of a workhorse for Seattle last season. There's, when, when, I, when I was looking at pitchers, I mean, Seattle's got – we've already talked about three guys now, and there's even more to talk about in next episode. Like, Seattle's got a nice rotation. And I just think, like, Gilbert, maybe with Castillo and Kirby going ahead of him, maybe he's getting a little bit underrated. But I have him rated about where ADP is. So where do you have Gilbert? He's in this next tier for me, but he's at the bottom of it. Um, so I actually, it's a big tier for me. So he actually is at 31 for me. Um, so I am a okay. little below consensus on him. Uh, or I guess you could say a decent amount below consensus. But again, like to me, it's a tier that goes <laughs> from from 24 to 31. So like, it, you know, you could make an argument for any of the guys in that tier, I guess. Um, but I just, yeah, I don't know. It's like the strikeouts are not, a, a great thing for him. Um, 373 ERA last year was right in line with his expected uh, ERA and XFIP, and it was it's just not that great. You know, it's it's okay. Um, the the WHIP is going to be. I mean, last year it was really good. Uh, the year before it was okay, but not as nearly as good. You know, so like I expect some regression in his BABIP. I mean, last year's BABIP was a lot lower than the previous two seasons and the projection systems expected to be more like the previous two seasons. Um, so yeah, I like, I think he could be, a, again, these guys that have the low walk, uh, low walk rates is it's a nice thing in some respects, but it can also make you pretty hittable. And he had a really, mm-hmm. really high home run rate last year. He had a really high home run late uh, in 2021 as well. So I go for could be a little bit of an issue for him. Um, I think he's like he's solid, but like you know, we were saying some of these guys feel more like SP twos than SP ones. Like he feels more like an SP three hmm. than an SP two to me. Well, okay, we let's not name names yet in this tier. But what is this to kind of tease the next episode? What is this tier like for you? Like, what kind of category is it with Gilbert at the bottom of it? Um, you know, at, at this point, the tier is uh, it's a little um. It's a little less clearly defined maybe than some of the other ones, but I guess what I would describe it as is like guys who um, have a little bit of uncertainty, but um, but have but but still have a pretty solid floor, you know. So like, okay. and and like you can make an argument that they have they have upside too. Um, so like, there's a range of outcomes for these guys. Like I, I think they'll all be fine, but I just they're guys that I don't really expect to be SP ones, um, but I also don't expect them to fall flat on their face either okay well there's still some very interesting names to talk about you you know you alluded to tanner bybee we haven't talked about any of the guardians pitchers like there's you you talked about gavin williams there's a lot of guys them and others to talk about uh in our next episode yeah i mean this is the thing it's like if you don't draft a pitcher in the first couple rounds like you're still gonna you're not gonna have trouble finding in it if you're in a 10 or 12 team league like you're not gonna have trouble finding five, six, seven starting pitchers that you can feel pretty excited about. Like, and, 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 you know, I encourage people to do their own research too and decide who your favorite pet players are. And, mm-hmm. you know, because like intelligent people can disagree and, you know, Bart, you and I have some differences here and that's, that's fine. Like I, you know, I think there's like a lot of uncertainty at this position and a lot of change that happens from year to year. So you know, if you look into the numbers, you might find reasons to like certain guys more than others. So don't just, you know, don't just be a slave to ADP, you know? Um, Absolutely. It's like, there's, there's definitely, um, and, and, and also like have some thought to how you're building your rotation, you know, like 
if you're taking one more boomer bust guy, maybe the next guy you want to take is more of a high floor guy and you want to, you know, kind of mix and match. So you have, you know, like when you, when you're investing in the stock market, you want a balanced portfolio. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. the same idea with this, I think. Yeah. As we go through and we're looking at ADP versus like how I've ranked people, I feel like the guys that I've had a hard time ranking, I often fall in line with ADP. Just it happens that like a Zach Eflin, for instance, it just happened that I, he kind of fell in line with ADP Logan Gilbert even, but then like, I'm glad that you and I kind of agreed on Tariq Skubal. Like I was a little nervous about having him in my top 10, but I'm glad that we both have him in there. And, you know, we got around to Grayson Rodriguez. I thought, am I being biased here? But, you know, as we talk through that, I'm like, heck yeah, I'm going to try to get me some Grayson Rodriguez this year. Yep. And you should uh, start making me some offers for Tariq Skubal in our keeper league because uh, oh. he is available. He might, yeah, or he'll just uh, hit the hit the draft, right? Well, we'll see. <laughs> we, I got plenty of time to work on some deals. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, again, you can go to rosrankings.com, see Bart and my uh, positional rankings at all of the uh, offensive positions. Uh, we will have these pitcher rankings and notes up on the website once we're done uh, with our pitcher preview episodes, um, whether that is one more episode or two, <laughs> remains to be seen. But we built ourselves a little extra uh, cushion um, with our recording schedule this season. Last year, it was more of a rush to get it all done before uh, peak draft season. We got we It's still February uh, for one more day since we got leap year. <laughs> so we're enjoying that. Uh, we're ahead of schedule. Um, but, yeah, we will have those uh, rankings and notes up on the website shortly as well. If you have any questions, you can reach out to us on Twitter. I am at Andrew underscore Seifter. And I am at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the show, please follow, share, rate, and review. We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.